Well, who'd have thought that a fourth 75 basis point hike by the Fed would see equity markets rally and bond yields falling down, but it all seemed to come from just two words, cumulative tightening. Uh, We'll look at what that means exactly and why the impact it had was fairly short-lived because the equity markets quickly saw what was happening there down, bond yields rose again. We'll look at what was said at the press conference and what it all means. Plus, the Bank of England later on, where are they going? Also 75 basis points, really? Given the uncertainty and the rising cost of living pressures the UK is facing right now. It's Thursday, the 3rd of November, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Wow, what a morning. Well, US stocks were quite well down before the Fed, more than 1% down, for example, for the Nasdaq. But then after the Fed announcement, that started to rally up 0.4% at one stage. Then that came back down again, losing a massive 3.4% at close. And the same thing happened across all US indices. The Dow is down 1.6% now, having been up over 1% after the Fed. The S&P 500 down 2.5%. Massive moves in a very short space of time. There were falls in Europe as well. Well ahead of all of this, at close, the Eurostox 50 down 0.8%. The DAX and the FTSE 100 both down about 0.6%. And bonds, well, 10-year treasuries were pretty calm before the Fed. Uh, and then, uh, you know, down five basis points after the Fed, but climbed back and now up four basis points at 4.08%. Two years down, more than 10 basis points after the Fed, but they regained all of that and more, up three basis points on yesterday now, almost at 4.6%. Ten-year gilts, though, down seven basis points, largely unmoved by the Fed and much less movement in the rest of Europe as well. Aussie ten years were up five basis points yesterday at 3.8%, up another eight basis points overnight on futures and some big currency moves. The US dollar fell, then regained all its ground overnight, then fell back again 0.7% after the Fed. Now it's up 0.4%. Against that, the Japanese yen is down half percent. The Aussie dollar, which was up 1.2% at one stage, now it's down 0.3% to just below 63.8 US cents. I tell you, it has been a very volatile hour or two. And in oil, well, that is pushing higher. WTI is up another 0.9% and Brent up 0.8%, up over 95.40 a barrel. It actually got up to 96.45 earlier. So volatility in commodities as well this morning. So the Fed, they came, they met, they pushed interest rates higher, up by 75 basis points. They've had a press conference as well with Jerome Powell. Let's look at both of those events with NAB's Gavin Friend in London. So the initial market response was curious, wasn't it? Because we had another big rise in interest rates and equities up. We saw a sharp fall in the dollar and a big fall in yields. It's all changed now, but that's how it all started. Well, uh, as we watch uh, the, the, the markets react to this, we, we had an, uh, an initial move <clears throat> to you say that plays to yields lower, the dollar lower, equities up. But actually, as we're talking now things just turning around a bit that's because the statement appears to have something for everybody so you know let's go from the top 75 basis points as expected target rate to 375 4% range there were two new statements that we need to focus two new lines in the statement that, that the market is focused on the first was you know the september meeting line that the committee anticipates that ongoing increases in rates will be appropriate so that they have added in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. Um, So in the context of still high inflation and a resilient labour market, the new line points to more work to do. And potentially, when the December dots are released at the back end of the year, you'll have more officials looking for more than just one rate hike 
in 2023. Okay, and Powell alluded to that in his early press conference remark, saying there is some ways yeah. to go. And, the, and also, the ultimate rate is going to be higher than previously expected. He said as well in the in the same breath. It, yeah. it, indeed, because he's looking at the recent data and he's saying that's consistent with you know we're, we're we're recalibrating as you know things like CPI continue to be high. We're having to recalibrate that, and that plays to that grain. The line that initially caught the market's attention, however, is... Um, Cumulative the, tightening, is that the one? The phrase it, of the day? That is the phrase of the day. So, in determining the pace of future increases, the committee will take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy, the lags with which policy affects ec- economic activity and inflation. So, that nods to the idea that the Fed has come a long way, uh, levels matter. This is an idea that's been posited by Brainard and others. Um, and, it, and, and the fact that the market initi- of, of these two, you know, uh, cancelling yeah. <laughs> remarks, really, and the face value, the market seized on that latter one, yields lower, the dollar lower, equities w- were down on the day, higher because on that, the Because day. they've and taken that, really that, they, they've taken that as a sign that, hey, you know, we're going to see now how, what the lag, because they talked about the lag effect as well. So it was, it's being read as, we're going to slow yeah. down for a bit now. We're going to see what the impact of all of this has been, the cumulative impact of, 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 of all of this. Uh, let's see what the impact of that is. So that everyone's taken that as meaning, well, they're not going to go as fast or, or as hard. Uh, and and mm. in the press conference, I mean, uh, Powell did say it's the pace of rates is less important than where we're getting to. Again, you know, it's the ultimate rate that counts. So again, you could take that as say, well, okay, yeah. we're going to go slow for a few meetings, but it, it doesn't. He's saying, well, that doesn't really matter. It's where we're going to end up that counts. Uh, indeed, and that's why. So you know, you, this comes at a time where the market has been pretty desperate for any signs of a of a pause, a slowdown, a pivot, whatever you call it, and that's why the initial reaction was what it was with equities up, yields, and the dollar down and then as we as he's nuanced this he's talked about he wanted to put some meat on the bones of of where the fed is going he he talked about three things how fast are they tightening how high will policy rates go and how long are they likely to remain there so on the first thing expeditiously they are tightening expeditiously and that's appropriate number two they need to raise rates to sufficiently restrictive levels that's that line in the statement and they will continue to do that as incoming data guides them on that. And then they've got this bit about, you know, at some point it will be appropriate to slow, um, you know, the the pace of hikes. Uh, He said it may be the next meeting. It may be the one after that. The decision has not been made, Um, though. That question will be less important than how long will we remain at that level. So what he's trying to do is trying to urge the market to disentangle the idea that a slowdown in the pace of hiking hiking means anything that, you know, the things that what follows that is lower rates. That's not that's not in there. That's not on their uh, docket at the moment. They're saying we get it up further than we thought and we're going to hold it there. Now, we, we can argue that, you know, at some point, the data will crack, the Fed will blink. That's all a conversation for further down the road. That's not where the Fed is at the moment. And that's why the initial reaction has been turned around. And as we talk, the dollar is now back up. It's regained all of its 1% losses. Yields are back up yeah. again and equities are rolling over. So it's a, it's a fast moving market, <laughs> it Phil. Yeah, and, do you know, um, it's, it's a problem you know, doing a podcast, isn't it? We, we, we've got to be live all the time. Uh, has, anyone, <laughs> gee, has anyone ever thought of doing that? So uh, <laughs> Listening to 
you. I'm listening to Jeff Powell. <laughs> so, Joe, quickly before we move on, because, I mean, you know, we, we want to talk about jobs because that obviously is a key part of all of this as well. But he, he was asked, you know, whether they're going too far and too fast. And he says no. You know, that's when he said we've still got some ground to cover. He doesn't have a sense that they have gone too far or too fast. Uh, you know, that they, they think they've done the right thing so far and there's lots of room to move. That was sort of like a big part of that takeout as well. Well, of, co- of course, and that's commensurate with the idea that the, the incoming data is guiding them on this. But again, come back to the Brainard point, you know, levels matter. And the, 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 the idea that it takes 12 to 18 months for things to feed through, you know, if the housing market is already slowing down <clears throat> at this time next year, where are we going to be as those the impacts of what they're doing now are still rolling on mm. through? And you've got to join that with monetary tightening across the world. It's not just the Fed. Everybody's doing yeah. it. So we can sit here today and say this is the right thing to do, given what the data is telling us today. We've got no line of sight of, you know, of the cumulative of exactly what he's talking about, which is the cumulative effect, because that's that's going to be 12 months down the road. So, so anyway. I, I guess one of the concerns for the Fed, obviously, is the tight labour market. And we saw that again, didn't we, in those ADP job numbers for October, much higher than expected. That compounds the impact that we saw from the strong job openings that we saw earlier in the week as well. So we've got more people employed, more jobs open. We're probably going to get confirmation of that, I would have thought, in non-farm payrolls as well. So we have got a very tight labour market. So, I mean, perhaps it's not surprising. We've gone for 75 again. Yeah, um, I, I, that's probably right, Phil. But I mean, um, you know, in terms of the ADP, we need to be a little bit cautious because this is only the third reading in, under the new methodology. You know, um, yeah, I know it's higher than the consensus. The consensus, again, under that new method, you know, we should perhaps treat it with caution until that series beds in and we get a better idea of whether it's an accurate, you know, indicator of where non-farm payrolls go. Um, that said, you know, the fact that uh, ADP has sort of underscored, underclubbed, um, or undershot uh, non-farm payrolls in the last two outings. That makes people think, well, if we're, you know, um, if we've got a decent ADP number today, it, then, then non-farm payrolls could be stronger. And of course, it follows the numbers we had out of the JOLTS um, uh, measure uh, 24 hours earlier, which, along with an upwardly revised um, set of numbers for the month before, pointed to, to your point, a la- labour demand remaining high. The quits rate—it's off the high, but it's still elevated, and and that, and that points to all that kind of stuff that the labour market is still there. So uh, Europe's still a world of worry, isn't it? We got the global final manufacturing PMIs for the uh, for the euro area yesterday, and they showed a slowdown, forty-eight point eight last time, down to forty-six point four. Now uh, this is a downward revision on the provisional read. Uh, Germany's manufacturing PMI is down to forty-five point one, down from the provisional read of forty-five point seven. This this is the lowest now since the early days of the pandemic, May 2020, in fact, uh, we've got quite a decline in new orders and output as well. There's no sort of signs of any golden shoot or much sign of hope, really, in, in the European economy right now. Where's, where's the good news? I, I'm not seeing any. Yes, but none of this is particularly new. We know that Europe is going through a real, you know, terms of trade uh, crunch uh, on energy and and that's going to be painful and you know the, the 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 cuts that they're making on energy usage would suggest that they've got um you know um some way to go the risk of blackouts and that that kind of thing but it's not new and europe is trying to put measures in to get over this i'm more interested on things like breaking up that pricing model for energy this is the new news and what have you so so we'll see how that plays out um you know, and but of course it will come now on the back of a Fed that looks like 
it's resurgent, it's got more skin in the game, and, mm. you know, maybe that keeps the dollar, you know, a little bit stronger for a little bit longer. Yeah, and that doesn't help inflation everywhere else, does it? Or uh, the balance of trade. So we had Germany's balance of trade. They improved a uh, 9 billion euro surplus for September, we heard yesterday, but not because of rising exports. They actually fell. Just a big fall in imports, down 2.3% month on month. I mean, the fact that everyone's currency is getting weaker against the US dollar uh, doesn't help in situations like that, does it? So look, let's get back to central bank talk because the Bank of England later today, the question is, are they going to go 75 basis points or are they going to go less? If they do go less, then obviously they're going to be keen to uh, not appear dovish, just like the Fed, you know, if if they are going to be saying, look, if we slow, that doesn't mean we're preparing to stop. We're just taking stock of where we are. Well, I mean, the consensus is very firmly for 75 basis points. You know, that would see uh, the Bank of England finally join the 75 basis point rate hike club bit late in the day. I mean, they have been hiking now uh, for almost a year. They started, they were one of the early, you know, early hikers in December last, in December last year. Um, and so coming Can to the, the UK party, economy support that though? Well, I mean, it's a very good question. And, um, you know, there've been stories such as like in the FT that the Bank of England is flying blind into this meeting because it doesn't really know what the government's going to be doing in terms of its um, fiscal package when that's, you know, it was delayed and it's going to be announced on the 17th of November. I would say it's partially cited, really, because, you know, we're, we're led to believe that there is a now better relationship between the Bank of England, the Treasury, um, you know, and the government. And actually, they are at least talking to each other alongside the OBR. And one would hope, I mean, if you if you look at the news flow coming out of the UK government talking about filling this black hole in the public finances, you know, the idea that they need to make some savings, which will come from tax rises and uh, spending cuts. Um, you know, I think um, they're. They're talking about uh, a, uh, a, you know, a 30 to 40 billion black hole. And yet the press is talking about making savings of 50 billion. It's clear that to try and, you know, regain some of that lost reputation for fiscal, you know, probity, the government's going out hard. If you're going to go right. out hard well, that would on be the fiscal all, side. That, yeah, then, then, all then more the reason for the Bank of England be, to go softer, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, indeed that. And so it's, it's crucial that the Bank of England is talking to the, is talking to the Treasury and to the government and hoping that that message gets through. The problem with that, of course, is um, until it's actually in the statute books, until the budget gets passed, the Bank of England might say, well, we need to see it first, you know, and so, you know, that argues that they stick to that 75 basis points. But I, I would agree with your uh, with your emphasis here that actually I think, you know, if there is a if there is a risk into this meeting, it is on the downside that the bank takes that message on board and says, OK, the government's making it clear that they're going to tack hard on the fiscal side. Therefore, we need to be perhaps not not quite as aggressive. And within that, I think to your other point, you know, the UK faces acute strains in terms of energy prices are still very high. There's uncertainty about that going forward. Um, you know, we, we continue to have the cost of living squeeze. We've now got mortgage rates going. That's the next shoe to drop that's really going to mm. kind of strangle the UK economy. And so, you know, I, I think, I think you know, um, there's going to be a protracted debate uh, at the bank. Um, and, you know, we're going to get, because it's the quarterly forecast, we're going to get new inflation and GDP forecasts. And on the GDP side, they're going to be worse than we saw in August in terms of a recession that's going out to 2025. It's likely to be deeper. And on the inflation side, we're st- because rates are higher and because of what we're facing into, it, we're likely to see the bank forecasting once again that the 2% target will be met, you know, probably 
um, at some point in 2024 uh, and maybe earlier in the year, actually. And and so, you know, it does play to the grain that the bank perhaps doesn't need to go as as, as hard as markets and certainly as markets are pricing in, which right. is, you know, four and three quarters of a terminal rate um, in the UK. Which, which is seems, why I was sort of saying maybe they'll, maybe they'll go less, but they'll be very keen to say, hey, we're not being dovish here. This is just because of circumstance and we uh, this doesn't mean we're, we're, we're not going to keep going hard in the future. Yeah. Just this, yeah, I mean, part, just this part, of, part of that also will be when we look at things like the mortgage market, we can see the slowdown going on there. They will be mm. looking at how high do they think unemployment is going to rise. Now, last time they suggested something like five and a half percent at the back end of 2024. Um, if we start to, you know, if they start to make, you know, uh, worse forecasts of that in terms of higher unemployment, again, that's going to play on their minds in terms of, you know, how much damage will they be doing to the economy by going really hard on policy at this stage? I mean, I think, right. you know, I think to the point of the Fed, you know, levels matter, you know, here in terms of, um, you know, the, the cumulative effects of the rate hike so far and the fact they've been doing this since last December, it's not it's not uh, an irrelevance, really, for central banks. Yeah. All right. OK. Cumulative timing. That's the, the buzzword for today, isn't it? Good to talk, Gavin. Uh, we'll catch you again next time. Yes, Phil. And of course, the the upshot of uh, raising rates, eventually home loans go down, down 9.3% month on month in September in Australia. By the way, today, the Keijing PMI for China, the US and Canadian trade numbers, US factory orders, lots to get stuck into today. We're back again tomorrow morning for another one. I'm Phil Darby for NAB. See you then.